Why is it we go to a class, you'll hear some amazing, mind-blowing idea, right? Some class, Jewish class, spiritual class, whatever. And you're like, that is absolutely amazing. And then your life doesn't change. So you can hear in a most unbelievable piece of wisdom or idea that you haven't heard before or that you maybe heard but now you get it but, and it's mind-blowing, but your life, nothing changes in your life, right? Why is that? Any ideas? You don't convert it into behavior. Yes. So you don't, you don't, you don't into behavior and then so therefore... It's yeah, it's not inside you. You don't internalize it. So you can hear an amazing idea of wisdom which we call Chachma in, in Hebrew, right, Chachma, but you don't make it yours. It's not yours. So the biggest question in life is, how do I do that? How do I make it mine? Because then wouldn't that be amazing if you could go to a class, you hear something, and then, and then you, don't, you don't just leave and forget about it, you actually make it yours. Like that process is crucial. Okay. So the Ram Chal says this is the major test of a person. <coughs> that we don't sit and contemplate the ideas and turn them around and around in our mind until they affect us in our life. We just hear them, and then we let them go, even if we had the initial inspiration. So our hearts, where we want to internalize things to make a change, don't relate to abstract ideas. Our mind does. Our mind relates to abstract, oh, that's so fascinating, that's so interesting, that's amazing. But our heart goes, and, right? It only will affect the heart and the body if we approach it in a certain way, and if we let it sit in ourselves and mull over it, and, and think about it, and we're actively engaged with that concept. Chochma or machshava, machshava means thought, is an abstraction, it's type of an abstract concept. For example, math, right? You only learn it with the head, it's intellectual, and it's unlikely it will impact your emotions. It's interesting, one of, one of uh, a rabbi that I learned from, Rabbi Tatz, he talks, brings down from his Rav, Rav Moshe Shapira, that like, that there's, we, nowadays we just bring something in and we spit it back out. We don't let something settle and sink into the depth of our being to make contact with our whole being. So we hear it and then we have to get it out into Facebook and social media and all these things straight away because we think that's where the connection will happen. That somehow I will feel more myself if I put it back out there and connect with everyone. Rather than not put it out there, hold it in my own vessel as a vessel and let it make contact with all of my being first before sharing it. When, when, this generation is terrible at that, right? We're not used to that at all. In fact, it's not even the way of life anymore to do that. So what we're, what we're learning here is from a Jewish perspective, there is a meditation called Hitbonenut. Hitbonenut means building. You have to hear an idea, but you have to build it. You have to build around it. You have to put, instead, here's the bone, and now I've got to put flesh on the bone. Yeah? Bonanut is a term where we get bina from. It comes from the same root of bina. Have you ever heard of bina? Bina means understanding, right? When I have chachma, chachma bina das. Have you heard of this? Ever wondered what chabad stands for? Chabad, chachma bina das. Yeah? Chachma is your wisdom. Bina is, is internalizing it and understanding it in a different way by working with the concept, by making connections. Um, it's in the Shariatar. The Chachma, is that in a lot of... Yeah, the Chachma. Yeah, with wisdom. That God created us with wisdom. Right, so God has a wisdom. A Shariatar is the bathroom blessing. 
Um, so here's here's the here's the here's the clincher. The clincher is you have to be active. The only way of developing this internal sense or intuition and making it yours is because you're developing ideas and expanding and then connecting the dots. Um, a lot of people say that in order for me to be calm, I have to like empty my mind. Like I want to turn my thoughts off. They think that people think that making my me being calm and tranquil is is me like turning off my thinking, but it's not true according to Jewish perspective. Firstly, I don't think a Jew is even allowed to empty their mind, completely blank their mind. It's not even a Jewish concept. Jews, um, Jews are not meant to do that. Um, versus, you know, there's not, there are non-Jewish meditations where you can empty your mind, but that's not a Jewish way. <coughs> um, and there's different... We, thought, we talked last week about the difference between Jewish and non-Jewish approaches to spirituality and life. They're both valid, but very, very different. So what creates tranquility is having a relaxed focus or a clear focus on one thing. And being active with that focus rather than this feeling of I'm being pulled in a million directions. What's exhausting is like staring at a wall where there's nothing going on, there's no focus at all, and there's no activity in the mind, or being distracted so much, pizur nefesh, being scattered and, and, and distracted all the time that I can't focus on one thing, right? So that also creates a stress for, the, for, for us. Those two things, either having nothing to focus on, like a wall would be boring, unless you're at the Koshel, <laughs> um, the Western <laughs> Wall. Um, or, or focusing um, on one thing, or, or being distracted creates stress. Other, other, other way, when you're focused on one thing, at least it's energized and quite clear, actually. Okay. This idea of Bina, Hitbonenut, and building is allowing the mind to focus on one activity and think very deeply about that activity. And it's every time you learn something. Every time you learn, it doesn't even have to be Jewish. It could be a book you're reading. It could be when you're taught, taught training in a new job, right? Mm-hmm. That you allow yourself to think deeply about what's going on, make connections. And ref- we're not used to doing this, right? If you keep Shabbat or you've ever kept Shabbat, you'll still see it's 25 hours of just being with yourself and being able to have time to reflect on your life. If you, you don't have to use it for that, many people don't. But that's like any time I've had a deeper insight in my own life, it's mostly on Shabbat morning when I'm lying in bed thinking. I have the best ideas, the best insights, best dreams. Like stuff comes out from my subconscious. Like even things like creative presents to buy someone that I want to buy a present. I couldn't think of what, what, what it was to get them. When everything's quiet, my mind is quiet, and I have time to think, and I say, yeah. And my mind's relaxed. I'm like, what can I get them? What would really resonate with them? What would make them happy? Boop, all of a sudden I get, why? Because I'm quiet, I'm focused, and I'm thinking more deeply about stuff. I have time to think, right? That, co- that concept is very important and it's so crucial in our, in our generation, in our day and age, because we don't have time for it and we don't do it. The other idea, again, we've learned this principle many times in Seoul, that if something's true spiritually, it's true across the realms physically. Yeah? So we talk about stretching yourself spiritually. In order to stretch yourself spiritually, you have to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Why? We see that on the physical realm. If you go for a workout and you push yourself just a little bit too, like a little bit hard, it hurts. But you know it's a good pain because you know you're like becoming more flexible, more toned, like you're losing weight, right? You'll push yourself a little bit harder. And afterwards, even when you're sore, you're like, oh, it's a good sore though. Like it's like awesome, right? You feel good because that pain is just enough. It's not so much that you'll pull a hamstring or or make yourself sick, but it's enough that you know that stretch was really, really worth it and it's going to lead you to a good place. So too spiritually, we see that you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit enough that it's hard, but it's it's, it's something that you'll also gain. We're not used to seeing spirituality that way. So too with this, 
where do we see the example of Chachma and Bina? Chachma is the wisdom that you just get an intellectual idea. Great, I get a spark of an idea. Bina is where I have to nurture it, think about it, build it, mull over it, play with it from different angles, and I have to sort of incubate the idea. We see that when we, have, when we make a baby. The DNA is the, is the, phys- like the masculine. It's the idea, the spark of the beginning, the genetics. And then it has to incubate and gestate in a womb for nine months. Nine months incubating, growing, caring for, nurture, right? In order to create the, the most precious thing, human life. We have both. We have the DNA and we have the Bina. So you see then that Bina is a feminine strength. Right? Bina is the feminine, because it's, the Bina is happening in the woman and the DNA came from the man. So there's a deep Kabbalistic idea there of masculine and feminine, which we can go into more another time. But the idea of masculine and feminine, and the idea is that um, it doesn't mean that women can't have Chachma and men can't have Bina. It means that women are naturally more in tune with that energy of Bina. It even says in the Torah that women have an extra dose of Bina, of intuition. Like a lot of, I, I see in the Jewish world a lot, men will say, I don't know why my wife just said she didn't like the person. I don't, I, you know, and the wife's like, just a gut feeling, right? Like, I don't know. And they were right in the end. In the end, it came out that they were right, right? You must have had this as well in your life. I don't know, intuitively, I just, just not sure, right? I just, I can't put words to it yet, but like, my whole being is like, no. So that's that, women have an extra dose of that bina. And it says, interestingly, that um, women also have nine parts of speech out of ten parts of speech in the world. So we also are very good at speaking and making connections. So we're going to go, they're going to play a more important role when you see what we're about to do. But, but putting the idea, mulling over it, gestating it, incubating it, and then putting it into words is very, very important, right? To, to internal, is part of internalization. If I just think about something and mull over it and never speak it, there's a lack of concretization that happens in my life. The word, for, the word in Hebrew for thing is, do you know what the word for he, in Hebrew for thing is? What's a thing? It's a devar. Dvar is, the word, is a word for thing. It also happens to be the same word for word. So the word Hebrew, dvar, the word in Hebrew, dvar, means a thing or a word. So in Hebrew, when the same word means two concepts, they're intrinsically deeply connected. So dvar means a thing, and it also means a word. So you can only turn something into a real thing in yourself when you give it words, Right? can only become a real thing. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, by the way, Avram, Avram Avinu, the forefather Abraham, it says in the Torah that he looked into the world and he could see that there was wisdom in everything in the world. He deduced that there was a God in the world from looking at the design of the world. He saw that in the world there was such design, perfection of design. There's no way this could have been just here. Like there has to have, he could see that things were so planned out to perfection that he deduced from that because he saw the depth into the, into the world that there must have been some sort of creator or God or higher power here that did this, right? He didn't have any other Torah. He didn't have any other instructions. But he saw that things were, because he, he looked deeply into things and he sat on them and he contemplated them. He saw that this, this is, cannot be random. That's why Avram then was chosen to be the parent, right? So, so we see that. We see Adam going even back before Avraham. Adam and Chava, the famous man and woman, first man and woman. Adam saw, was brought, all the animals were brought to Adam to, before they were named. And Adam looked into the essence of who they were and then named them the name based on their essence. So he was looking past the physicality and superficiality into the, who they are. What's the life force behind them? What, 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 what is the essence? For example, he looked into a dog and saw loyalty, 
faithfulness, kindness, unconditional love, right? Oh, it's like a heart. Kelev. Kelev. Kelev means like in Hebrew and lev means heart. He looked into the dog and saw that's the essence of a dog. I'm going to name the dog Kelev, right? Like a heart. So everything in Hebrew often has the essence of the root of the word, right? It, it means the same thing. Um, <clears throat> so that's our challenge this lifetime is to look beyond the physical and look into what's behind it. Let me look what's behind it. What does it teach me? What is it bringing me in my life? We get so caught up in the superficial and judging even people like that, even ourselves like that. Looking in the mirror, how many times, honestly, I'll turn the, turn the tape off, how many times do we look in the mirror and pick ourselves to bits physically? It's crazy. We do it to ourselves, right? Rather than see behind that, there was a whole person here, right? I'm a whole person. So learning how to not relate to things as a hologram. The word for world in Hebrew is, anyone know the word for world? Olam, yeah. Adon Olam, right, the famous. Olam is the word for world. It comes from the root Alam. Same word, same root, just missing one vowel, right? Alam, Olam, Alam. Alam means to conceal. So what does that mean? The world, the essence of the world is a certain concealment. What's concealed in the world? What's concealed? If the world itself means concealment, what's concealed? The real, like not the physical, but what's underneath The godliness in everything. The holiness, the godliness, the spiritual spark. The, 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 the life force of spirituality is concealed. But there's a creator behind this force behind nature. Okay. <clears throat> Let's do meditation. So what we're going to do now is um, we're going to met, we're going to move between Chachma and Bina to practice this idea, and we're going to do it with something very simple because you can do it with anything, but we're just going to do it with something simple and. We're going to look at the object, and then you're going to close your eyes and apply it to you. Yeah, we're going to have, we have an object that we're going to look at. Look at an object and apply it to you, and then what is it? The whole goal of this is to follow your thinking. It's to be active. If we don't activate our thinking around a concept and a topic, then you can never make it yours, right? So, it's a muscle. Hitbonanut is a muscle of contemplation about anything you ever learned. Right? That's the muscle. So what we're going to do... I'm going to ask you to apply that side in a minute. Can I just keep up here at this table? Is this something I can say earlier? Um, I was going to give you one candle each, so maybe we should do <coughs> like 
Like that'll be your candle. That'll be, you can you basically you can cheat and follow, focus on other people's candles, but it's better if you just have your one. And a good book to read if you want to read a book about meditation is Ari Kaplan's Jewish Meditation, and also um, The Art of Amazement is really really good. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about that. It is. What did you do about that? Yes, yes, yes. Good question. No. Is that too many? Okay. Does someone want to like these? I talk, I'll answer this question. Find your candle. Art of the Art of Amazement. And um, we're going to do a meditation. So we're going to like stuff. And if we do have, do you need to get something here? Just then? get some more dice. But then after that, we're just going to, yeah, no problem. Thank you. And they're too hot in here. Is someone hot? Anyone hot? Are you? It's warm. I'm not hot enough. Okay, so first thing, oh, the question Alex asked was, what's the difference between Jewish meditation and non-Jewish meditation? Yes? Um, or like, I guess, what's the hallmark? Yeah, so, okay, so Jewish meditation, non-Jewish meditation is essentially about uh, calming myself down and experiencing transcendence or experiencing relaxation or experiencing depth within myself. Um, experiencing a certain nirvana, certain, right? Jewish meditation was very commonly a preparation for prayer. So it was about getting myself into a certain state so that I can then connect with God rather than just with self. Right? So that was number one major difference. Um, however, it does have all the same benefits, right? It does have all the same benefits. Number two was that Jewish meditation, they don't blank out their mind. They focus on something. Whereas non-Jewish can do both. They can focus on something and they can, or, and another one would be blanking out your mind, like emptying your mind of thinking of nothing. So that would be another difference. One of the key reasons is because the Jewish path of spirituality is to engage the physical and elevate it. We're meant to be totally in this world and elevate. elevate. A non-Jewish path of spirituality, legitimately and validly, is about separating away from the physical world and going up into spirituality. So they will, like the highest level in the non-Jewish religions would be abstaining from sex, abstaining from eating, abstaining from like the, the earthly pleasures in order to transcend. The general Jewish pathway is not to do that. It's to use all of the physical and infuse it with holiness and elevate it. 
And it was very interesting because I, you don't know my history, but I have zero connection to Jewish, anything Jewish. My father was a Holocaust survivor. I wasn't interested. I knew I was Jewish, but it was like this bad thing that we don't, we, I ignored basically in Sydney, Australia. And I would, when I did this 10 day meditation retreat, so there was a Buddhist monk there that I actually got a ride with to, to a store in the country in Australia. And yes, there were kangaroos hopping around and it was really cute. Um, and, um, we were driving in the, in the outback in the country and all of a sudden we ran over an animal and I remember, I remember jumping cause we ran over a small animal. It wasn't a kangaroo, but we ran over an animal and I remember this Rinpoche was like the llama, you know, um, just says, ah, in comes life, out goes life. And he was totally equanimous, equal reaction to life, death, nothing, right? I remember thinking, that's amazing. Like on one level, the level of mastery of non-reactivity was incredible because that's what we were practicing. On another level, I remember thinking and miss myself. That doesn't resonate with me. I don't know why. Like I didn't have words for it. But I just remember thinking, that doesn't feel like my path, my way. I didn't know why. Years and years and years later did I realize this example of, yeah, it, my, my soul is not wired for that pathway being a Jew. Jews are wired for a different pathway. Again, that's non-PC to say nowadays because like, you know, acknowledging any differences is mm. seen as negative, whereas in Judaism we don't see it that way. There's many differences in many people. Like the, the Levies and the Kohenim do different things. I can't do what a Kohen does, right? Men and women have different roles and strengths and different tribes in, in Judaism have different focuses and Jewish and non-Jewish have different focuses, right? So like, it's not seen as less, better, it's just different. And I remember distinctly having a felt sense of that without having any words for it. So does that answer a little bit for now? Robert Ari Kaplan goes into it more. You could read that book as well. It's a very easy book to read. And very yeah. Okay, so um, the other thing is... Oh, here, I actually made you some source sheets. I'll give these out afterwards. Basically summarizes what we just spoke about, but it's really... Is talking about that the path to love and awe of Hashem, <clears throat> to actually connect with Hashem, you can either go inwards where you experience a, a certain depth and oneness, or you can go outwards and look into the world, which is what we're talking about with this, right? There's two pathways. And when a person, mit bonen, meditates on his awesome actions of God and creates creations of enormous proportions and sees in them his wisdom, which is, is unparalleled, immediately there's a feeling of love and praise and awe. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, if you've ever been on, to a sunset, I've seen an amazing sunset, if you've ever been to a... Nature usually evokes that, right? The sense of awe and wonder, a huge, big, vast ocean. I know I feel that around the ocean. There's a sense of awe. If you just sit and contemplate what this is, it's absolutely awe-inspiring. And he says, Maimonides here says, immediately a person will love and praise and glorify and passionately desire to know Hashem, to know God, to know something, the higher power here that created this. And this is similar to what King David meant when he wrote, my, ser- my soul thirsts for God. That's what he meant by that. It, I yearn to know the designer of this, right? There's a, there's a creator behind nature here. When person contemplates these very things, immediately he's taken aback with awe, knowing that I'm a small creature, lowly in the dark, standing with such faint and small knowledge before God, someone, someone higher, higher being who has complete knowledge to, enough to build sunsets and grand canyons and, and, and oceans. This is, as King David said, when I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, I think to myself, what is mortal man that you should consider us? Like it brings out your humility. Well, I'm just like a mosquito like compared to God, right? 
not even that, right? I'm just like so humble. What can I do? And there's this God in the world that clearly created or designed all this, all of the world, and loves loves me. It's a very hum- when you really tap into it, it's the most humbling experience. You cannot believe that there's this greater being that's in your world and loves you and is involved in every detail. It's uh, it's unbelievable. The, the the stories of divine providence when we talk about this seeing God's hand in your life in your world. The feeling you get when you see that, it's unbelievable, right? It's like, oh my, oh my gosh, where, like, where are you? Whoa, like what? Like really? Are you really watching it? Like really? You're really with me? It's unbelievable. It changes your life if you start to look for it. You can only look for it if you spend time on it. I, I once was, um, I think I told some of you the story. Did I tell you the story with, when I found out about that guy I was dating? Yeah. Yeah, so I, like that was, that, that was one of the most powerful, because I didn't really believe in God until I, saw, until I had that experience that opened me to the possibility that maybe there was something, and um, and should I tell her quickly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing story. I know. Well, if, if all of you heard it except two, then I might be able to tell them after. No, I didn't. Okay, so fine. So there was a guy I was dating, and it was way, way before I knew anything. Jewish, didn't even believe in God. Like just to let you know where I was at. And um, I was a therapist. I was a psychologist in Australia before I connected to anything Jewish. And we were presenting a big thing for a conference, a drug and alcohol conference on addictions with homeless kids. I was working with homeless kids and it was really fascinating and interesting. And um, I was dating this guy as well. So we were doing co-therapy. We were presenting at a conference. It was a big deal for our career. I was in my early 20s, young. And, um, and we... I couldn't get hold of him on the day of the deadline for the conference. We had enormous amount to submit, otherwise we wouldn't be able to present, and this was really important. And I couldn't get hold of him, and I didn't know why, but I still didn't trust him. In general, I wasn't sure. There was, certain, there was a, a question mark, but today, that day, I didn't trust him, and I didn't know why. Again, Bina. I had no sense of... I didn't understand why. Something about it, didn't trust. And um, I kept calling him and calling him and calling him, and he wasn't answering his phone. And I felt like he's watching my number and not answering. Have you ever had that feeling? Yeah. You, you know that someone's looking at your number. It's the weirdest thing. But you're like, am I, am I paranoid? Like, what's wrong with me? Right? And anyway, I, at this point in my own spiritual growth, I, I believe that maybe there's a possibility of something higher. But, like, I didn't even know if it was God. I didn't really know what it was. But I believe that there was, it wasn't just what you see is what you get here. And um, anyway, at some point I got myself into a knot about it anxious right no sense of something higher in myself I got myself into a knot and I was call. I call I must have called him 11 times you know when you get anxious and you just keep calling 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 right it's ridiculous at some point I realized this is ridiculous and I remember saying aloud so I guess this was my first official prayer because I didn't consider it a prayer but I remember saying this is ridiculous if there's something I thought he was up to something I thought he was I didn't know what it was but I thought he was up to something I didn't I didn't know why I felt that I said if there's something you want me to know you'll let me know I said aloud to God basically not knowing it was God. If there's something you want me to know, you'll let me know, but I can't keep stressing about this. It's ridiculous. And I remember just completely letting it go. I remember thinking, I, I guess that what I stumbled into there was surrender, a place of surrendering, surrendering to what is rather than holding on or fighting back. I just let go, right? But I didn't give up. I just let go and said, if there's something you want me to know, you'll let me know. And it's, it's on your shoulders. And I remember this complete calm coming over me, right? That, 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 I can't, I can't control it. I don't really know what's happening. Let me let go. The next moment, maybe like two minutes, three minutes later, my phone rang and it was the guy. And I was like, like, this was absolutely bizarre. Like I just let go. And all of a sudden my phone rang, which is a deep idea, by the way. Anyway, in general, I answered the phone. It was like, hello. 
I was kind of thrilled, you know. Hello? No answer. I look, it's connected. I'm like, hello, hello. And I look again, and he's not there. And then I realize I can hear noise in the background. And I hear, bump, ba-da-ba-dum, bump, ba-da-ba-dum, ba-da-ba-bum. Bump, come on, come on, come on. And I realize he's gambling in a bar. And he didn't call me at all. His phone called my phone by accident in his pocket. Oh, like his butt dialed He pocket called me, yeah. I prefer pocket call, you can say butt dialed. (laughs) But yes, yes, basically, his phone at that moment called my phone by accident and I was listening to him gambling in the middle of the day on a work day. And I found out he had a gambling addiction that I didn't know about for years and years. And he was spending all this money. Some of it was our money. It was like crazy. But I remember realizing what was happening and like that God totally came through. As soon as I let God handle it, he totally came through. And I remember going, I didn't know, I was like horrified and like, but elated. And I remember feeling this mixture of feelings of like horror and elation. And at some point he realized his phone called my phone. And he said all sorts of words I can't say here. And he hung up. And I called him back. I mean, I texted him and I said, it makes me really sad. You need to do this. Let me know when you're done. So, you know, about an hour or two later, he sheepishly, you know, came out, told me that this is an issue for him and he's had this issue, blah, blah, blah. I mean, obviously, that was the beginning of the end. I stopped dating him if he's lying and dishonest. And um, But I was changed forever from that idea that when you acknowledge that something, when you acknowledge God is in your life and you let go and let God, that's why we, the first week we had this let go, let God phrase, God comes into your life in a much more pronounced way. But he leaves it to you. He's not pushy. I always say, I think he's British. You know? <laughs> like, right? He's not, right? Like, he's not pushy. Like, God won't come down and go, hello! Right? Like, maybe an American New Yorker. Right? <laughs> he won't do that. He lets you open the door. It says in Perkei Avos, Ethics of Our Fathers, if you open the eye, size of the eye of a pin needle, that much, I'm interested. I'm open. I don't know if you exist, but I'm open to the possibility. He'll come down. And show me in a way I can relate to. Show me in a real way. But you have to talk to him. It's like a relationship. You have to actually speak. You have to... I don't know if you... I remember my first prayer at the Western Wall when I finally got to Israel was like, I don't know if you exist, but if you do, I want to know about it. Tell me... Show me in a way. And the worst thing I could be doing is speaking to a wall. Right? But I figure everyone else is. So I've got nothing to lose. Right? Again, you can assess God from an empirical, intellectual chachma level where you can read lots of books about it, where it's a logical decision to believe in something higher and a creator. But there's also a whole deeper level of intuitive and understanding and experiential learning that can go on in your life. And the more you see God's hand in your life, and I don't mean random connections you make. I'm talking about direct, real connections like that, right? The more he shows up, the more you give him space and time, the more he's allowed to come into your life. We have to make room for God to come into our life, right? Someone who's so full of themselves, ego, arrogance, right? Doesn't allow room for God in their life, right? So you have to be humble. There has to be a certain... Humility, letting go, creating space for God to be in your life. Okay. So one of the ways to do that, to connect with God, is to is to see his hand and his design through the world, through nature, through what's going on in your life, letting it feed back to you and teach you something about life. And, and then that depth of teaching you and seeing God in, in your life gives you connection to him. So what we're going to do now um, is... <clears throat> We're going to look at... Does everyone know which is their candle? Okay, I'll... I'll, I'll. You're going to look at your candle. This is not about... Our phone's off and everything. This is not about scientific observation. 
This is about our other symbolic parts of our mind and feeling. So what we're going to do here is we're going to ask yourself, you're going to be asking yourself in a very deep way, what can I learn from the fire? What can I learn from fire about life, about my life, about life in general? And the questions would be like, what fire, what does fire, the fire evoke in you personally? What is it evoking in you as you look at it, as you connect with it? What kinds of things? Is it positive or negative? When did you experience this in your life? The goal is not to come up with a one-word answer. The goal is to follow a thought, build on the thought, right? Be curious about a thought. Look at fire from many different angles. Let your mind make lots of different connections. Your mind is meant to be very active in this meditation. It's not about, oh, fire is nice, it's passion. Right? It's a, and then, great. Passionate about what? Good passion, bad passion. When do you experience good passion? When do you... Ex- so you, you'll be asking yourself a series of those questions. The goal is to stay with the thought and see it through to the end, wherever that goes, and then it'll make another connection somewhere else. Right? Your mind should be constantly active, following your thoughts into different areas and different, different departments. Um, so what, we, what you should do is look at the fire, absorb it, and then close your eyes to go into the bina. The bina is that building to think about what does this fire evoke in me? If you're not sure, come back out, look at it again, go back in. And it's going between Chachma and Bina, looking at the fire, eternalizing. What does it bring out in me? What does it evoke in me? What, how do I relate to it? What could, what could we learn about life from fire? What does fire teach me? Yeah? And then we're going to talk about it afterwards. Dibur, back into Dibur, like speaking. Um, we're only going to do this for a few minutes. It's not like you could spend hours thinking about things. We're going to do it for a few minutes. Do you mind Laura turning off the lights? And, oh, other one. Where is it? I'll, I'll find it for a second. Is that it? Yeah. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you all the kids running around and nobody getting hurt, I was like, I believe. <laughs> okay, so so that for you might be meaningful with this. Meaning okay. explore that for yourself okay. and then we'll speak about it at the end. Cool. Okay, so everyone get comfortable. I'll talk you into it. And then um this is just good in general for feeling, to get yourself into a state of gentle focus. So just feeling your feet on the ground. If you, can feel, if you feel okay, it's better to close your eyes. <clears throat> feeling the chair underneath you. And just giving yourself permission to be in this moment with nothing else to think about. There's nothing else you need to worry about, think about or do right now for the next little while. Just to be here in this moment. Take the pressure off. There's nothing that will happen in a negative way if you don't attend to the phone or the text or get out of here in the next 10 minutes. Just to be here. And give yourself that permission to be present with whatever is happening. And taking a deep breath. Just allowing yourself to arrive in this moment. Feeling your back against the chair, letting it support you.
scanning your mind from the top of your scalp, taking your attention there, just giving it permission to relax, taking your attention into your forehead, relaxing easily, moving down your neck, your face, letting go of any tension, down into your throat, any other noise around you, just allowing yourself to drop deeper and deeper and deeper into a place of ease, relaxation, moving your attention down to your chest, and down into your stomach, as well as down your back. all the way down into your hips into your legs letting go of any tension to your knees and your calves all the way down into your toes feeling good and dropping deeper and deeper into a place of stillness, ease, and relaxation. And just allowing any noises that you hear outside, they just help you drop deeper and deeper into this place. Just noticing how you're feeling, noticing what your mind's thinking about. And when you're ready, just gently, very gently opening your eyes and looking at just your candle. Try not to look at anyone else or anything else. If you feel the need to look anywhere else, just gently close your eyes again. noticing what the fire brings up in you, what it evokes in you, how you feel looking at it, what can you learn from it about yourself, about life. If you want to get more clarity more deeply, just close your eyes to think it through. Fire. Just keep opening your eyes and closing your eyes to get clarity.